0: You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shattered State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. If you're new here, you're here on perfect timing because we're getting ready to start a new sermon series entitled Vintage Classics. This is going to be a sermon series kind of going back to the basics, kind of going, throwing back. For some of you guys, it might sound like a broken record. Tis, uh-huh. Apparently that wasn't as punny as you guys thought. But anyway, I hope that I can bring you guys a fresh word, even though sometimes it can be something that sounds so dumbed down, teaching on the basic levels here for the next few weeks. For example, tonight we're going to be talking about how to pray. For some of you guys that might seem super um, basic and super running through the motions, you guys know how to pray. Some of you guys really have never been taught how to pray. And so we want to go through the basics, and we want to get everybody on the same page, because I really feel like the the this sermon series is going to be important to build the foundation in order to propel us to the next level in getting to know God and getting to experience God. And so you'll want to be here for the next few weeks, um, even if this is your first night, as we go through the Vintage Classic Sermon Series. As I mentioned this week, uh, we're talking about how to pray as we read through Scripture. One of the things becomes very obvious, especially in the Gospels, man, as we're reading through, it becomes very clear that Jesus prayed a lot. He covered absolutely everything in prayer. Sometimes praying for days, sometimes spending hours, sometimes praying so much that the disciples would fall asleep upon him. Prayer was super important, even for Jesus, as we look through Scripture. And while we look through Scripture in, in, the, Old Te- or in uh, the Gospels, Jesus' prayers are sometimes laid out. There's even examples in which the disciples ask Jesus, Hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And it, it lists it out. And so we get these examples in these little excerpts, <clears throat> which is kind of funny because fast forward to today's Christianity, In today, American Christianity, I feel like even if you're not a Christian or even if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, one thing that we do tend to experience a lot of is public prayer or corporate prayer. We experience people praying over their meal at lunchtime. We experience prayer from a pulpit at a church. You guys got to experience prayer twice already since you've been here at service. That's public corporate prayer. But one thing I feel like we don't teach a whole lot about is how to pray intimately. And so tonight we're going to be focusing more on intimate prayer than corporate prayer. If you'd like to learn more about corporate prayer, I would love to have that conversation with you. Maybe that's a topic we might cover later on. But today we're going to be specifically focusing on intimate prayer. One of the biggest problems I feel like we have is while we pray, even publicly, publicly and intimately, we tend to like religify. And yes, I'm making that a word, religify. We tend to religify prayer. We turn it into this this deal where we tend to try to use uh, smart sounding words and we try to use like New King James versions, these and thous, and just ridiculous words that aren't a part of our vocabulary. If you walk up to me and you start talking to me in New King or in King James version, I'm probably going to smack you and tell you to speak English because I'm not going to understand what you're saying. And so when we pray intimately, I feel like we should be praying in our language in what is intimate, what is close to us, not making up words, not trying to make it sound smarter than we really are. We want it to be real and from our heart. And so when we pray intimately, I feel like we need to take the religiousness off of it and find a way to back up and just be like, how can I simplify this down so it's me, so it's real? How many of you guys have ever heard the Lord's Prayer? How many of you guys have the Lord's Prayer memorized? Quite a few guys. The Our Father Who Art in Heaven. Maybe some of you guys didn't know that that was called the Lord's Prayer. I feel like even with the Lord's Prayer, we've religified that as well. We've turned it into this thing where we memorize it and we repeat it and we'll say it in a group setting in which we're going to ironically do here tonight. But we've religified it to a point in which we, we memorize it and we repeat it and we say it over and over again, which is ironic because right before Jesus gives the Lord's prayer to the disciples, before he teaches them how to pray, he actually warns them against repeating prayers nonsensely. Nonsensely is probably not a word. I don't really care. But Jesus was teaching them, don't repeat prayers over and over again. You sound like an idiot, basically, is what he's saying. And so tonight, I want us to read the Lord's prayer. If you don't have it memorized, we're going to have it on the screen for you guys. those of you guys that haven't memorized, go ahead and say it out in the the language you know, you don't have to necessarily read it. So if everybody, if we get on the board, all right. Jesus is saying, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven. Everybody say it. You guys aren't loud enough. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Which is ironic because you notice I don't put that on the board because in modern translations, that last part that we just repeated isn't even in the manuscripts. Manuscripts, Sorry. King James Version actually added that. It's not in the manuscripts. So new and modern translations actually don't have that last part that a lot of us just um, spouted off religiously. And So most of us can quote that prayer. And those of you guys that, ha- have, or that can't, don't think you need to memorize it necessarily, I, I do find benefit in memorizing Scripture. So if you want to memorize Scripture, it is a great place to start. It's easy to remember. It's easy to memorize. But the benefit, I feel like, is more in how it teaches us to pray than necessarily memorizing the Scripture. And so tonight we're going to kind of break this down. We're going to go into as broken down basics as we possibly can with this specific prayer. <clears throat> Starting off, it starts with one word in the, in the original text. And that original word is Abba. Abba, Father. We say, Father who art in heaven, or as it says here, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Abba, Father. Abba isn't as, I feel like the, the word Father has almost become um, religified. For lack of a better way to put it, we've turned the word father into this word that's synonymous with God, synonymous with Lord. And so I don't like to use the word father here because Abba isn't equal to that. Abba, Jesus is saying, say Abba as in daddy or dad or more intimate term, Papa, whatever name you called your dad when you were a little kid. That's the kind of language it's using here. It's not using a word that's super formal father. You know, like when you're addressing your dad and you're trying to be respectful, it's more about like when a little kid's addressing his dad and he's looking up to Papa, Daddy reaching out his arms. So it's starting off intimate. It's saying we need to have intimacy with our dad, intimacy with our father in heaven, intimacy with God. Jesus repeatedly, repeatedly talks about intimacy with our father, intimacy with Abba, intimacy with daddy, intimacy with dad. It's so easy sometimes for us to see God as this giant figurehead that's just all-powerful and all-knowing. But sometimes it's hard for us to break it down and recognize him as our dad, as our father, as our papa. Recognize him as an intimate being within our lives. When I was going over this sermon last night, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to pray this. And I'm going to use an int- more intimate term for me. Dad is a more intimate term for me because I call my dad dad. I don't call him father. And so I decided I was going to start praying. I was like, all right, dad. And I just couldn't even get past the word dad. I just got chills and I just, I just started feeling good. I was like, dad. Like I just repeated dad over and over again. It just felt so cool to call God dad rather than father, rather than Lord Rather than anything else that we call him, calling him dad just felt so good. It felt so intimate. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Intimacy, dad. And like I said, sometimes we begin with father and and we begin our prayers, Lord God, dear God, Lord God, father in heaven. And it's just super just redundant because we use it, that same language over and over again that it doesn't really have that power of intimacy. It's just super kind of casual. And I think that's, like I said, it becomes easy to imagine God on a throne in a big, huge room with cherubim chanting after him saying, holy, holy, holy is Lord God almighty. It's easy to imagine that with like smoke filling the room and thunder and lightning and just like laying down the law. Sometimes it can become easy to imagine God that way. And yes, God is that way. But he's also intimate. He's also close to us. And For me, I think it's so easy to imagine God as the, the previous part because that was my dad. My dad growing up was the super stern, stoic, I work my butt off for this family, I'm going to show no emotion, boys don't cry, if you cry you need to man up, that kind of dad. I don't remember him saying I love you more than one single time until I was at least 20 years old. I can remember one single solitary hug before my 20th birthday from my dad. And so it's easy for me to project my dad into God. And that's not necessarily appropriate because our dads screw up. Our dads make mistakes. Someday when I'm a father, I'm going to make mistakes. Matt, he's a father. He makes mistakes If he says he doesn't, I'm going to slap him. He's just not his head no, so I get to slap him later. Dads make mistakes. Your dad's made mistakes. Even if your dad wasn't as stoic and stern as my dad was, he still made mistakes. And sometimes it's easy to project those mistakes onto God as well. Because we're saying he is our dad. He is our father. But he's not our earthly father. He is our perfect father. He is our perfect dad. And so for me, it was taking a step back and just recognizing Abba, Father, Dad, Daddy, and just kind of enjoying that presence, just enjoying that closeness with God. Dad, hallowed be your name. Dad, hallowed be your name. Another word here could be consecrated your name. Dad, your name is so consecrated. Dad, you're so set apart. Dad, even your name is set apart. Hollowed be your name. Do we really set apart even God's name? Do we hold him so hollowed that even his name brings that kind of punch with us, has that kind of presence? Like, Could you imagine if our world as a whole regarded God with so much respect and reverence that even his name was considered consecrated. I'm talking the world, let alone just Christians. Could you imagine if even within Christians, if we revered, yeah, that word, God, with so much respect and authority that even his name was consecrated on our lips? Dad, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Dad, I want your kingdom here on earth. Papa, I want your kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven. I want that day to come. I want that day to pass in which Jesus returns and I get to be in your presence. Dad, I want your kingdom to come. Dad, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come the next words are give us this day our daily bread not give us this year our yearly bread give us this month our monthly bread give us this day our daily bread dad will you provide will you provide for us today back then bread was everything bread was huge it was a a huge major staple in not only their diets, but their lives. They would spend significant amount of time cooking bread. Bread was very important. So, Dad, would you provide provide for us today? Dad, could you give us our daily provisions? Dad, I want to thank you for today. Dad, I want to thank you for what you've given us today. Dad, thank you for your provisions. Can you provide for us today? Can you give us what we need for today? Not this week, not this month. Dad, day to day, today will you provide for us? Becomes then apparent that we need to pray this way daily. Dad, will you forgive us of our trespasses? A more common modern day word would be forgive us our debt. Dad, would you forgive us of our debts? I feel like when we look at our sin as debt, it makes this so much more powerful, at least to me it does. When I look at sin as a debt and not just some mythical um, set of rights and wrongs, when I look at it as an actual debt that I am racking up, when I look at the debt that my life is bringing and my sin is bringing, it starts to bring it to a better picture. Like, how many of you guys have credit cards? Like, half of you guys, sweet. So, Sure, that counts. So what would happen then if you took out your credit card and you didn't realize you actually had to pay your credit card off? You just thought you could continue racking up debt. So you keep going out and you keep using it, you keep using it, you keep using it, and eventually you're going to get to a point where your credit card is going to get shut down, and then you're going to be pretty darn shocked when all of a sudden you get a bill that comes in the mail and says, hey, you owe $2,000. But that's really essentially what our sin is. We're racking up a debt, and we will get the bill. The bill will be present at the end of time. And when we sin and we continue to rack up that debt, it just lists it. And we're going to have to account for every single sin we commit. When we look at it that way, and we start looking at this tab that we're holding up, that, that we keep adding to, I think it becomes a little more present what we're asking for in this prayer. Dad, forgive us of our debts. That's exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly what did happen. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and he was risen again, what happened is when we go to account for our debt and we get that bill and we go through itemized every single solitary item, when we get to the bottom, it's going to be paid by Jesus. The debt is still there. and Jesus paid it. And so when we look at it that way and we say, Dad, forgive us our debts. Man, it makes that, that little sentence so much more powerful to me at least. Maybe not to you guys, but for me it makes it so much more powerful. I begin to respect and I begin to appreciate what Jesus did for me even more when I look at it that way. And I'm not saying that you need to hold on to your debt as a, uh, an issue in which you grieve constantly over your debt. Because Jesus paid the price. What I'm saying is recognize that you are racking up debt with your sin And hold that and look at Jesus and find the appreciation and the gratitude for what Jesus has already paid for us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who debt against us. Dad, will you help us to forgive those who have wronged us? And this part can be hard sometimes. And we're talking about this is a daily thing. Daily, we need to be forgiving those who have sinned against us. Daily, we're not to hold offenses and grudges uh, on people. We're not to hold their debt over their shoulders. We're not to hold their debt in their face and say, look at what you did to me. And carry that offense and carry that burden on our shoulders. Jesus is saying, Dad, today, will you help me to forgive those who have debted against me? Will you help me to forget those offenses? Man, this part sometimes, a lot of times, is so much easier said than done. And I think that's why it's so important. I think that's why Jesus mentioned it here. It's because it is a daily struggle. It is a daily process. Sometimes it takes a while to forgive someone. And so daily, we need to be asking God, God, will you help me? Will you help me have the kind of heart that it takes to forgive those who have debted against me. Did someone royally tick you off today? You just haven't been able to get it out of your head all day? Did someone hurt you really bad? Maybe recently. Maybe someone did so terrible that even in your childhood, that it, it still is with you today. And it has scarred you deep, And years later, you're still holding on to that debt. Today, Dad, will you help me to move past that debt? Will you help me to forgive that debt? I know whoever did that to you, it was so wrong and it was so bad. I'm not trying to say what they did was good. And I'm not saying anything more than that beyond Paul in Scripture was a murderer. Paul murdered Christians, and yet Jesus forgave his debts. That same level of forgiveness is exactly the debts that Jesus has forgiven you of. I don't care how horrible a thing you might have done in the past. Jesus forgives those debts. We then need to project that same forgiveness that Christ has showed us to everyone else. Especially, not only, but especially when they don't deserve it not only for their sake but for yours it is not worth holding on to those debts if it was worth holding on to jesus wouldn't tell us to help or wouldn't tell us to forgive them those debts cause you more damage than they per- do the person you're holding, holding holding them against those debts are hurting you not them dad today will you help me to forgive those who have sinned against me and who i hold a debt against Dad, will you lead us not into temptation? I feel like the wording here is kind of rough in a lot of translations. It's not necessarily saying God usually leads us into temptation. And so today I'm asking you not to do that. No, what it's saying is, God, I usually lead myself into temptation. Today, God, will you help me to avoid that? God, today, will you help me not lead myself into temptation? God, will you lead me away from the temptation? Will you lead me down your path? Will you lead me down the path that you have desired for me today? Will you lead me so that I'm not tempting myself, so I'm not tiptoeing with that sin, so I'm not falling into that struggle, so I'm not falling into that habit? Will you help guide me today away from that temptation? Dad, will you lead me? I think it's so important to keep God at the forefront of your mind all day. Simply because of our own nature to guide ourselves into temptation. As we keep God at the forefront of our mind and as we ask God to lead us, he will continue to lead us away from that temptation. And it is a daily thing. This is a daily prayer Jesus is telling us. Daily, we need to ask God to lead us away from our own temptations that we put ourselves into. Because ultimately, what it comes down to is that sin isn't worth it. That habit isn't worth it. That temptation is not worth it. Is it really worth more than intimacy with God? Because that's basically what your sin is costing you. Those struggles, those habits is costing you intimacy with God. And so as we continue to keep our eyes on on God, keep our eyes on Christ and away from those temptations, we get more intimate with God. That doesn't mean that if you do stumble and you screw up, that all of a sudden your intimacy is gone. What it means is the second you get done, you need to put your eyes back on God and capture and get back and fight for that intimacy back Seek God right off the bat. If you screw up five seconds later, hop back up and be like, Dad, will you please help me so that I'm not tempted the rest of the day? God, will you help guide me? I screwed up. I screwed up so bad. Will you forgive me of this debt and help me to forgive those who have debted against me and help me to see your face and help guide me away from this temptation? I mean, it doesn't matter five seconds after you screw up. It's so important that we pursue this intimacy with God above all else in our lives. Dad, will you deliver us from evil? Again, like I said, it doesn't mean that God is constantly pushing us towards evil. What we're praying and what we're asking for is God to set us apart and to help guide us so that we don't go into those traps so we can see those traps that the enemy has. Give us eyes to see the schemes of the devil. Give us a heart to know what God's will is as opposed to what the devil's will is. A heart to see what God's plan is as opposed to what the enemies are. God, Dad, will you help lead us to and help us to follow you and not the enemy? Throughout this Lord's Prayer, Jesus is giving us a blueprint as to how to pray. I like, mem- I like the fact that I have the Lord's Prayer memorized because it helps me break down certain aspects of my prayer so I can focus on those things, not to repeat it necessarily, but so that I can remind myself, are you being thankful for what God has provided for you today? Have you asked God to guide you today? Have you forgiven yourself? Have you forgiven those who have debted against you, sinned against you? Are you forgiving today? Are you fleeing from your sin? Jesus gives us this blueprint so that we can can pray more intimately, more reverently. So we can remember to pray daily. We ask God to meet our daily needs. We're to pray asking for forgiveness. We're to pray asking to forgive those who've screwed up against us. We're We're to ask God for direction, protection, and guidance. These are all things that are written within this little, short, little excerpt of Scripture. This is personal prayer. Personal prayer is absolutely vital to your intimacy with God. It is absolutely vital to your walk with God. And it is absolutely vital to your life just in general. Man, once you get intimate with God and you get passionate and you get close to God, man... All the struggles of this world, they don't cease. But when you get intimate with God, he helps us deal with them in so much more appropriate ways in which we come out of it so much better in the end. I will never promise you that hardship won't come in this room. Hardship is going to come. In fact, Jesus promises us hardship will come. Sometimes in, in spite of the fact, or in, uh, simply because of the fact you're a Christian, hardship will come. And so it's so vital for us to be seeking after God intimately in prayer. I want to touch on one other aspect of prayer tonight as we um, just kind of begin to wrap up tonight's sermon. The other blueprint that we are given within Scripture and the other example, and there's a few other examples that I'm not necessarily going to go into, but one of the other areas that I feel like is super important and I don't want to miss an opportunity to share with you guys, uh, we like to call it in Chi Alpha epic prayer. I like to call it epic prayer because it's easier to remember. It's also called in Scripture, or uh, not necessarily in Scripture, yeah, a couple times in Scripture, sorry, Uh, intercessory prayer. It is when you pray to God on behalf of somebody else, or they call it stand in the gap or other Christianese examples. But basically it's you're praying to God on someone else's behalf for their needs. John 17, Jesus is interceding for the disciples, and we're not going to go into that for the sake of time. I don't want to take up your entire evenings. It is almost an entire sermon of itself. And so we're just going to focus a little bit on the fact that in John 17, 20, Jesus actually interceded for you. Believe it or not, within scripture, Jesus did pray for you. John 17:20 says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus prayed for you on your behalf. And like I said, for the sake of time, we're not going to go into all of John 17. But I want you to to write down a memo in your phone. Write down a memo in your notes. Go back tonight or tomorrow and read John 17 and read Jesus' prayer for the disciples. It's important for us to read how Jesus prayed for other people as well as intimate prayer. I feel like uh, intercessory prayer is so important. And the reason why we call it epic prayer is because intercessory prayer is different than intimate prayer. Because intercessory prayer, you're more likely to actually pray for real needs. So instead of praying for the person for wealth and prosperity, you pray for their depression or their struggles. Instead of praying that they might meet a hot girl or a hot woman. You pray that they meet a godly woman or a godly man. instead of praying that they would uh, pass their test, you pray that they would get closer to God. Instead of passing for these simple little or instead of praying for these uh, simple little prayers that we often pray for ourselves, these very selfish, very uh, worldly prayers, when you're praying for somebody else, you're more likely to actually pray for what their needs are. And then oftentimes when you're interceding for somebody, the Holy Spirit will actually give you new information that maybe they didn't even tell you, that maybe you didn't even know about them. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will download information into your brain, and this will be a totally different sermon at another time as well. But the Holy Spirit will help you to pray for them oftentimes as you are interceding for their needs. And you'll pray for things that maybe they haven't even asked you for prayer for. You'll pray for things that maybe you don't even realize that they're struggling with. Maybe the Holy Spirit will be like, man, you need to pray for this person's depression and you had no clue they had depression. Intercessory prayer is so powerful. It is so needed, especially in today's world. We need to be praying for each other. Not only do we need to have that intimate time with God, we need to be praying for each other within this room, other Christians. We need to be praying for strength for them as well as praying for people who aren't even Christians, that they could even find their path to God. Like I said, that's another time, another place that I'll go into that a little bit more deep, uh, a little deeper. But tonight, before we leave, I don't feel like I would do us a service if we don't spend some time and get into some intimate prayer with God. And so tonight, before we leave, we're going to take five, 10 minutes. We're going to put on a little bit of, of music, set the mood, turn the lights down. What I want from you guys, I want you to find somewhere where you're not close to somebody else. Find somewhere if you need to find a corner, if you need to get on your knees, if you need to eat some carpet and pray. If you need to find somewhere, find somewhere. Get away from the people around you. Get as far away from everybody else as you possibly can. Okay? That's the first thing. The second thing that I want you to do is I want you to pray out loud. Okay? Some of you guys, that's tough. Some of you guys only pray in your head. I really feel like there's something that, that is different. When I pray in my head as opposed to when I pray out loud, I feel like there's, just, there's more power in being vocal with our prayers. And so I want you to pray out loud. I'm not saying you need to be loud, but pray out loud. Pray vocally. You can pray quietly vocally, but pray vocally. Okay? The third thing that I want you to do is when referencing God, when approaching God, when saying God, instead of using God or Lord or Father, I want you to use an intimate term instead. If that intimate term is dad use the word dad do not use the word lord do not use the word god do not use the word father use something more intimate daddy maybe you called your dad papa call your call him papa the entire time you address him call him the intimate term of endearment that we've it doesn't matter what it is call him that term that you might have had even for your dad your earthly dad or if you didn't have a very good earthly dad or you didn't have a dad find a word that maybe you would imagine would be more intimate for you and use that word exclusively and, and only use that word. And then the last thing is when you've got done or when you are done with your intimate prayer, and when you're, you feel like you're done praying for yourself, then the next thing I want you to do is I want you to intercede until we're done. I don't want you to start worshiping. I don't want you to spend any time worshiping. I don't want you to spend any time reading your Bible. I don't want you to spend any time doing any of that stuff. This is just prayer. So when you get done praying for yourself, look around and find somebody else who's praying and pray for them. You don't have to go over to them. You don't have to lay hands on them. You don't have to do anything special. Just find somebody else in this room. Maybe ask God to point somebody out for you and pray for them exclusively until the end. Okay? Okay? You guys good? Okay. We're going to put on some music, and I will close us out still. And I'm going to give you guys like five, ten minutes. We'll turn the lights down low. Kind of felt like I need to ask this question in here. Ask yourself this Do you believe God loves you? Ask yourself, do you believe God loves you? Because if you hesitate for any, even an instant, for even a second, man, I want to promise you tonight. I want, if, if you get nothing else out of tonight's service, I want you to leave here knowing God loves you. He cares about every single solitary detail of your life. He cares about every single solitary hurt that you have. He cares about every single solitary little thing in your life. He loves you. He loves you more than you can even fathom loving he loves you on a whole another level. His love has its own word. That's how much he loves you. Within scripture, it's a specific word because it's so much more than we can even fathom sometimes. God loves you. And if that's all you get out tonight's service, fine, I don't care. If you didn't listen to a single word I said and none of this resonates with you, I don't even care. It's not that important. It's important that you leave here knowing Dad, God, our dad, loves you. He loves you so, so, so much. And he just wants to get to know you. And so even if if you don't go through the prayer as, as praying for specific needs and this and this and this, and you don't have this routine of prayer or whatever, it, if you could throw all that out the window, just talk to God. Talk to him like you would your dad. Have a conversation with him. Like, dad, I I'm struggling with this. Dad, I screwed up. Dad, would you forgive me? Dad, will you help me get through the day? Dad, will you cover my car payment? I just don't know where the money's going to come from. Dad, will you help me study for this test? I'm failing. I don't know what I did with my time, but I'm I'm just, I'm failing this class. Dad, will you help me? Just have a conversation with him. That's all he wants. He wants to be intimate with you even more than you want to be intimate with him. Sometimes it's hard to feel his presence. Sometimes it's hard to, to recognize his presence with us. But keep pressing in. Keep talking to him. Keep having conversations with him. Take takes some time to actually listen back to him. Sometimes we get so caught up in prayer that we forget that a lot of times God just wants to have a conversation with us. Conversations are two ways. Sometimes we're so busy chatting his ear off on things that we want and we need or we think we want and we need that we forget to take the time to listen to his response. Sometimes his response is even better than we would have even expected. It could have been. Lord, we thank you for today. Dad, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to see your heart. We thank you that we could see Jesus' heart for you and how much Jesus loved you and loves you. Dad, I pray that tonight and this week and this month, Lord, we could see you the same way. That we could see you as intimate. That we could see you as consecrated. That we could feel your presence. That we could experience you this week. And somebody's sitting out there and You're just thinking in your head, I just, I don't know what it feels like to to feel God. So, Dad, I just pray that you would surround that person with your presence. That he would just be overwhelmed with your presence tonight. That he wouldn't be able to leave these doors without knowing at least a glimpse of what it feels like to be in your presence. We thank you for the fact that even though you're, you're consecrated, and even though you're set apart, and even though you're holy, and even though you're perfect, Lord, that you've brought yourself down and your experience, or you, you're helping us to experience you. We thank you for that. But it is in your name we pray. Amen. As always, you guys are loved. We love you. I love you. My wife loves you. Our staff loves you. We care for you guys. God loves you.